Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, official details were released this morning in regards to the Climate Action Plan. Uh, the pros and the cons of the plan, how could this succeed or fail? Let's bring in Patrick DeRoshi, Climate and Energy Program Manager at Environmental Defense and is on the line with us now. Hi, Patrick. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. What are your thoughts on the Climate Action Plan? Well, um, I think it's a really positive step for Ontario. Um, it's a huge day. Uh, this is the next step in Ontario's commitment to climate action, you know, they started years ago with the phases of coal plants in the province, which was the largest carbon reduction initiative in North America. Then they made huge investments in renewable energy. They're bringing in a, car- a price on carbon with the cap-and-trade program uh, in 2017. And this climate change action plan is a great complement to that price on carbon by reinvesting the revenues from it in further emissions reductions. Uh, we had a guy on from the University of Guelph the other day, and, you know, he was he was commending uh, the government on how much they had done and, of course, the elimination of coal-fired uh, power plants and, and how far we have come uh, through the, the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s and such, and, and where we're at. And he questioned... He questioned whether we're, at this point, getting the bang for our buck, that we're putting more out than we're getting out of it, that there hasn't been due diligence uh, done as, from a business perspective on how this, is, how this could possibly uh, succeed. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, the first part of that is that the government is putting a price on carbon, and this is a market mechanism that is supposed to find the cheapest um, emissions reductions uh, out there. So instead of choosing winners and losers, the government is relying on the markets to find innovations and low-carbon technologies in order to drive those emissions reductions. What does that mean? Well, it means that... Um, it, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't mean, I don't mean to be flip, but that just sounds like propaganda to me from the other side. I guess what, what you know, at the end of the day, this is going to cost people a tremendous amount of money. They want to know what they're getting for it. Well, the government's um, put in a lot of place with this action plan, um, something for everyone, whether you're a homeowner, a motorist, um, low-income and vulnerable communities, um, big industry, small businesses. There's something that will help everybody and empower everybody to make this transition to a low-carbon economy. Uh, give us an example. What's this doing for the homeowner? What's this doing for the person who drives a car? Sure. So I'll use the example of uh, homeowners. There's going to be rebates for homeowners, for homeowners to undertake Retrofits. This might be geothermal heat pumps. This might be new furnaces. It might be new insulation or windows or doors or lighting. This will make it cheaper for homeowners to make their house more efficient, which will make it more comfortable and reduce their utility costs. Uh, there was a recent report out that said our electricity costs were going up because we didn't use enough. Do you think people still have an appetite for conservation? I do. Um, the cheapest form of... Uh, Electricity reduction is not producing that electricity, so conservation programs are actually the most effective way of keeping electricity costs down. But again, we were told the last time our prices went up, it was due to the fact that we weren't consuming enough and no money was being generated as a result of that. Well, that's a, that's a generation issue. That's, a, that's something that's separate from this climate action plan. But at the end of the day, it's not separate for the consumer who pays the bill. It's all the same to them. Yes, and, and that's why this climate change action plan is going to bring in ways to help consumers and empower consumers to reduce their emissions and keep those costs low. 
Uh, what about industry? How does how will this affect industry? Will this drive jobs? Will it uh, create employment in Ontario? So I think there's two parts of that. Um, the the world is moving to a low carbon economy. Massive investments are being made in clean technology, low carbon technology, renewable energy, and Ontario has been at the forefront of that in Canada. With this action plan, they're going to make investments to help industry um, along this transition. There's going to be energy efficiency programs. There's going to be ways for factories to access financing and funding to improve their operations and their conservation and efficiency. And I would also just note that the cap-and-trade program that's being brought in um, is going to give uh, free permits to large industries, uh, large polluters, for four years to help them make this transition. So there will be recycling of this revenue from the cap-and-trade program to help um, big businesses stay and thrive in Ontario. Uh, y- you know, I- I've used this example a couple of times. Uh, uh, there's this place up near my cottage, and it's a diner and a motel slash thing. It was it's a, it has been a successful business for years, and the people who purchased it in the last ten years just simply can't afford the hydro bill, the electricity bill, rather anymore. Uh, so, how do you convince people like this that this is all for good? And, you know, especially when prices continue to rise. Like, when do, we, when do we start seeing the benefit of this? I mean, we've certainly seen the benefit of being off coal. And as this professor from the University of Guelph said, we've made tremendous strides. But then it gets to the point where the cause becomes so great that we don't do our due diligence. And, 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 and instead of improving the footprint, we're, or, sorry, improving the environment, we're really not making any changes, but we're spending lots of money and trying to create technologies that if they weren't subsidized, they simply wouldn't exist. Well, the, actually, the technologies that um, the government's talking about in this climate change action plan um, are proven to exist, whether it's renewable energy like solar and wind, whether it's... Yeah, but if solar, solar and wind would not survive if, if it wasn't heavily subsidized, it just doesn't generate enough power. Um, actually, in, on, in Ontario and across the world, uh, solar and wind investment is now past that of fossil fuels. So this is the future of Well, of course the investment has gone past it because there's all this incentive from the government. If, you're, if a government's giving out free money, then of course business is going to invest in that. The reason that the investment is, is so huge is because the government is, is, is making it easy to do so. But sure. again, um, but, but at what point do consumers start to benefit? Because we've got pretty clean air right now, and we're doing a really, really good job of, of, of with technology of monitoring this and moving forward. But, and again, as, as this prophet explained, it, we don't seem to be getting as big a bang for our buck now as we once were. The Auditor General said we overpaid. Not that green energy is bad, not that it's not a great idea, but we overpaid for it by $37 billion dollars. So at what point do we start saying, okay, what are we getting out of this? Well, I think to answer that question, there's a number of benefits here. First of all, you mentioned we have cleaner air. There are now no smog days in Toronto in 2014, 2016, compared to to 10 years ago. Great. Then why do we have to keep... Great. Then what this professor said, then why do we have to spend like drunken sailors in areas that are not needed at this point? It's not an issue. Well... It may, it, it, may be an issue in pla- it may be an issue in places like China, where they're firing up over 100 new coal fire stations every year, but Ontario has a pretty clean quality of air and a, and, and a pretty good record for this sort of stuff. So at what point do we say, you know what, we're doing a really good job here, 
and and we should stay the course or you know what we should keep going and drive the prices up even more and da, 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 like at, at what point does the benefit not exceed the cost i guess that's the question people are asking yeah so as you mentioned we do have clean air we have a pretty clean electricity grid here the emissions that are now um, emitted in Ontario are from the transportation sector and from buildings. So now we need to focus on reducing emissions from those sectors. And there's going to be programs in place to help municipalities, consumers, homeowners, businesses do that in an affordable and cost-effective way. Uh, uh, another thing I wanted to ask you about was electric cars. Do you think it's going to be easy to get people interested in electric cars when the price of electricity has risen so drastically in the last couple of years and we know is going to continue to do so under these this government's plans why, well, why, why, why would you why would you want to go to electricity and put all your eggs in one energy basket when there's other things and, and there's other clean fuels sure so with electric vehicles um the the driver actually doesn't have to pay for charging that car unlike having to pay for fuel costs at the gas pump the government's in this plan is going to have free electric vehicle charging at night um, for four years. Um, yeah, but nothing's free. Everybody pays for that. It's just like when the person buys the electric car, it's my tax dollar that pays that $14,000 that he's going to get. So, you know, again, free for four years, what does that mean? You know, where does that leave us? Again, we've been told that electricity prices are going to continue to skyrocket free for four years. What does that do? Well, in this case, let's let's take an example of a homeowner who... And again, I, I don't want to sound like... First of all, I, I, and I should have prefaced this by saying, I'm all for green energy. I'm all for reducing our carbon footprint. I'm all for saving the planet for our next generation. I just really think... And, and I think this government's heart's in the wrong place, but I think they've lost logic and have not done the due diligence financially, fiscally. So sure, let, let's take an example of an individual homeowner who owns an electric vehicle. With this action plan, they'll be able to uh, install a solar water heater, uh, a ground source heat pump system, um, solar panels on the roof, and then use the rebate with an electric car, which will be plugged in through the building code um, connected to, their, to the grid. They'll be able to charge that car for free overnight and thereby not have to spend money on refueling that car. And they'll also get a reduction in their utility bill from the solar and the geothermal system. So this results in, in a net benefit to the individual. So you'll come out of this ahead of the game, is what you're saying? Uh, yes, and you know that's not um, taking into consideration the, the broader economic benefits of creating jobs in a low-carbon economy, of cleaner air, of less, less congestion on the roads, and of uh, reduced health costs from, uh, from all the health costs associated with pollution in the atmosphere. Uh, how much do you think we can generate through wind and, and solar and such. I mean, you know, as you said, you know, we, we've got a pretty much clean energy grid the way, you know, the way that we are. H how much more can we clean that up? Well, there's actually several Western countries now that are generating 100% of their power from renewable energy. So right now, Ontario's got a pretty clean grid. We get about 85% of our electricity from renewable sources. And it's not out of the question, and it's completely technologically possible now um, to do it cost-effectively, um, go 100% renewable. And uh, this action plan... But you know, really, there's nothing new here other than we've dropped coal from the grid. I mean, nuclear has been the vast majority of what we produce, of how we produce power, and has been for decades. 
Um, so really, there's you know we've removed coal, but you know uh, two thirds of, of of Ontario's energy has been generated by nuclear energy for years. What happens when we start to pull back on those? Oh well, uh, Ontario will be refurbishing its nuclear plants over the next. Uh you know, a couple of decades, and they have plans in place in the long-term energy plan to offset that with uh, either natural gas in some cases, or ideally for us, um, we'd like to see wind, solar, and energy storage, a new technology, um, come online to replace that. That's not available at this point, though, is it? Uh, no, there's actually several uh, very successful energy storage uh, technologies operating in uh, Ontario right now. And what does successful mean? Uh, it means that they are storing renewable energy that's produced during off-peak hours and then able to put that back into the grid during peak hours when energy is needed. When do you think it will be inexpensive enough so that we can use it? Uh, right now, in fact, uh, the recent large renewable procure- procurements that the Ministry of Energy released showed that wind power in Ontario is cost-competitive um, with nuclear power. So the time of renewable energy uh, being cost-competitive with other with other technologies is here right now. So, wait a sec, you said wind energy is is as uh, efficient as nuclear energy? From a cost uh, perspective? cost competitive, yes. How can that possibly be? Um, well, the price has dropped really quickly in the last uh, decade, and the technology has improved quite quickly um, because of massive global investments uh, and jobs created in this. So, renewables are, uh, the time is now for them. They are now cheap, uh, they're affordable, and they're cost-effective and scalable. Uh, so how much do you think wind can supply from a, on our power grid? What percentage do you think we can get to with wind? Well, right now, um, wind accounts for about 10% of Ontario's supply mix. Um, it can be ramped up quite easily. There's some provinces, take Alberta, for example, that's planning to get um, you know, about 30% of their, of their electricity from winds. So these, these technologies are here right now. Like I mentioned, there's some countries uh, in the Western world that are already getting 100% of their energy from uh, these sources. And it's, uh, it's not impossible for Ontario to, to, to do the same thing. I don't say, I don't say it's impossible. I, I, I just don't know how we can do it without, you know, uh, bankrupting the province. Um, what happened, do you think, to the report that was leaked earlier that mentioned that they were going to remove natural gas from new homes by 2030? Where, do you, where did that go? Well, I think that um, that leak was misinterpreted by the media. Um, I think uh, it, it became pretty clear that there was nothing in this climate change action plan that said they're going to ban natural gas by 2030. In fact, there's a lot in this action plan. Well, there isn't now, but apparently there was. Um, well, there... I, I can't speak to um, details of a, of a leaked plan that I, that I never saw myself. Um, I'm not sure what um, those reporters that were uh, putting that out um, saw, but I, never, I can't speak to, to a leaked plan I didn't see. Right. So uh, you don't think that that was there before as a trial balloon and, and floated out as was often done in politics? And then in the end, I don't know, we better take that out or it's never going to sell. Uh, you don't I, think that I was in the plan? You don't think that was in the plan at all? Uh, I, I can't comment on that. That's uh, something that's internal to the government. But I will say that there, there are incentives um, for the natural gas industry here in Ontario to uh, start phasing that down over time. Uh, to make our why are we phasing down? Why are we phasing down natural gas when we've spent the last thirty years trying to get forty years trying to get people to convert to natural gas because it's so clean? That's like again, I, I'm just I'm confused as why this government is so uh, 
bent on on putting all of our eggs into one sort of energy basket. So one way to answer that question, I think, is that Ontario is committed to meeting some GHG reduction targets by 2020, by 2030, by 2050. And they, they can't meet those targets. They can't meet their international obligations without um, phasing out natural gas over the long term. By 2050, we're looking at, at an 80% reduction in greenhouse gases. So in that, in that kind of future, then there's, uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of space left um, to, be, to continue, continue burning natural gas. Uh, and we need to start working toward that goal now. Lots will say, uh, you know, places like Ontario are doing uh, as much as we possibly can. We're certainly doing way more than our fair share. We're certainly doing way more than we will ever impact on the world. Why isn't this energy spent convincing the Chinas of the world, you know, as we're taking, as we're taking out one or two cold-fired plant, cold power plants, they're firing up 100 or 150 a year. So you know, or last year. So uh, how, how is torturing Ontario going to save the planet, I guess, is the question. Well, I think, I think one argument to go about that is that um, China and India and the United States and large economies like that are taking action. China has put a hold on, uh, on new coal plants, and they're making huge investments in solar and wind, um, as is India. So they're already moving toward that renewable energy future. And on the other hand, Ontario is still a very large um, emitter of greenhouse gases on a per capita basis, and it's very hard to convince those other economies, those other nations, to reduce their own emissions unless we show leadership ourselves and say, "Hey, this don't is you think we've shown? Don't you th- excelling at it? Don't you think we've already shown a tremendous amount of leadership?" Yes, and I think Ontario uh, should be applauded for that, and I think the world recognizes that. Um, but we but I guess the question the, the question is, when we keep going do we get the same bang for the buck? Like, I, I think, you know, I mean, it all sounds great. And, and, and you know, I, I respect your passion and advocacy for the cause. But at the end of the day, it's, it's Ontarians that have to pay for this and are having a very, very, very difficult time in doing so. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, we have to look at the benefits of this as well. So you mentioned the coal phase out. This, this saves the Ontario economy $4 billion per year in health costs. So... Maybe it was a little bit expensive to uh, be one of the first jurisdictions to do that, but that also saved us a lot of money in the long run, and it means we have healthier communities and a cleaner electricity grid. So what do we have to do that's equivalent of getting rid of coal-fired power plants? How are we going to make that impact again? So the big areas for that uh, now are buildings and transportation. So that means uh, personal vehicles and freights, and that means reducing the carbon footprints of our homes, buildings, and offices and factories. All right, uh, Patrick DeRoshi has been with us, Climate and Energy Program Manager at Environmental Defense. Patrick, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thanks for having me, Scott.